0: This show, is sponsored by HeadNote, helping law firms get paid 70% faster with their compliant e payments and accounts receivables automation platform. Learn how to get paid quicker and more efficiently at headnote.com.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Modern Law Library. I'm Olivia Aguilar from ABA Publishing, and I'll be today's host. In this episode, I speak with Don Tortorus, the author of the fifth edition of the Modern Rules of Order. Don is a retired partner of the international law firm of Dwayne Morris, LLP, and most recently a law professor at the William & Mary School of Law. He served as a drafting member of the task force to revise Pennsylvania's corporation and business laws and as a member of the boards of directors of a number of private business corporations and nonprofit organizations. Today, Don discusses how readers can use his book to establish a more efficient procedure for both major corporation and small nonprofit business meetings. Don, welcome to the show. Delighted to be here. All right. So it's time to start thinking about uh, New Year's resolutions. And a lot of people aim to be more productive and use their time more effectively, especially at work. So how can the modern rules of order help with that?
0: Well, I'll tell you, what, let me reflect on how writing this little book began. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a chairman of the business section of the Pennsylvania Bar Association, and we were having lunch after one of our meetings Uh, And the topic of the meeting was to plan a session on conducting corporate meetings. And the outgoing chairman of the committee said, you know, one of the major problems that I've always seen in meetings is getting the chairman to know Robert's Rules of Order. Because most of our uh, corporations and and, and assemblies and clubs and associations – have just sort of adopted Robert's Rules of Order in in knee-jerk fashion. And very often, the chairman doesn't know it, and all too frequently there will be someone who is somewhat disruptive who knows it a lot more than the chairman knows it and can use it as an element of uncomfortable disruption. And so I said, uh, well, why don't you and I write a better set of rules of order for corporate and association meetings. And he said, well, no, I'm going to retire. You write it. So uh, (laughs) I spent uh, the next year uh, pondering and drafting the modern rules. And after about a year, came up with a finished product, which was something that I had hoped would be available to chairpersons of corporate and association meetings, something that could be read within 30 minutes and essentially mastered or being able to be used efficiently. Mm -hmm. And that was the product. What I have done with the modern rules is essentially to reflect the way most meetings are carried out. And that is that they are run by the chair of the meeting and they are run in a manner that treats all of the topics of discussion, allows for uh, full debate where there is debate, and provides for a an efficient and equitable resolution of all questions on the agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done it. After writing the modern rules, uh, I went to the Pennsylvania Bar Association and its publication arm, uh, and they agreed to publish it, and they sold... I think a little uh, a little less than 10,000 copies in the in the first year. And then I um, I spoke with your colleagues at the American Bar Association and for the past, oh, I think 15 to 18 years, the ABA has also been publishing it and it's been a great success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's been a great success because it has been usable. It is something that allows for Simplification of procedure that still is very equitable, and um, just moves us along without the uh, opprobrium of having to master and uh, and and abide by very complex and rather rather oligarchic rules and Roberts rules.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very accessible book. And your author bio, I wanted to you kind of discussed about how your your experience inspired you to write this, but your author bio states quote, he has chaired and sat through more business meetings than he cares to remember. <laughs> Sitting through all of those meetings, did you feel like there was something missing in the structure that you that you wanted to touch upon?
0: As a lawyer, I felt it was necessary for me essentially to know uh, Robert's Rules. Now, mm-hmm. because they are so complex, and, and let me pause here and, and recite the name of Robert's Rules. It's Robert's Rules of Parliamentary Procedure. Focus okay. on the word parliamentary. A business, an organization, a club does not need rules of parliament. The parliamentary rules, uh, those used by governing bodies, utilize the rules not simply as rules for procedure in getting the work done, but also as bol- political dynamics. And you know, uh, filibusters, for example, uh, are parts of uh, of parliamentary rules, but they should never be in rules of procedure for a corporation or an association or a club. Never. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Mr. Roberts himself indicated that his rules may not, and indeed, I think, are not appropriate for uh, anything less than a parliamentary body. So having worked through uh, Roberts, rules, I, I lived with him for a number of years because uh, I knew them and I could get around them. But I had studied them and I find that so many chairpersons just, you know, don't take the time. And I understand why they wouldn't, because it's it, it takes an enormous effort to master Robert's Rules. Mm-hmm. And what I've done in the modern rules is, well, <laughs> let me tell you how many rules there are in my modern rules. There are two rules. <laughs> and. And that that sounds a, a little oversimplistic, and, and I, it's not really, and I'll explain why. But let me just read for you the very short rule number one, and it is as follows. Authority for conduct of the meeting is assigned to the chair, who shall be responsible for the timely, fair, and reasonable conduct of the meeting's business. Decisions of the chair are final on questions of procedure, except that, and this is important, except that any ruling may be appeals to a vote of the meeting. If a rule of the chair is corrected by the meeting, the chair shall amend its ruling to reflect the will of the meeting. That's it. That's rule number mm-hmm. one. And the modern rules actually could be <laughs> the modern rule of order, and it's that rule, because uh, rule number two simply says that the, the effect of the rules shall be subordinate to the bylaws of the corporation, which are subordinates to the the articles of the organization, which are subordinates to the state law, which under the supremacy clause is subject to federal law, which is subject to the, the U.S. Constitution. And that's the pyramid of authority with respect to operation of any corporation or any club or any association. And that's really not a rule unto itself. It's simply a recognition of that Pyramid of authority. So we have we have one rule, and that is that the chair runs the meeting. But the chair cannot be an oligarch, because if the meeting disagrees with what he or she has done or has said, a motion can be uh, raised to uh, essentially change the rule of, the rule of the chairman. And if the majority of the meeting overrules the chair, then that decision by the meeting is the resolution of the issue. So the democratic nature of the meeting is never given up because Mm -hmm. whatever the chair does, it is subject to acceptance by the meeting. And that's something that really should never occur because if the chairperson is making rulings that are not consonant with the sense of the meeting, then perhaps you need a new leadership.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But if there is a ruling by the chair, it is subject to acceptance by a majority of those in the meeting. Now, when one gets the Modern Rules uh, book, and, and it's really more of a pamphlet than a book, and if I look to see how many pages there are, there are 54 pages in the book, and, and it's, it's only about a quarter of an inch thick. And what I've done is to discuss a lot of things other than the rule that I've just read. And what I have done is, is put in, following the rule, a number of guidelines. And those guidelines really reflect the basis of a procedure that we are familiar with, that most of us are familiar with. And that's derived from most of the, the dynamics of Robert's Rules. Motions to vacate, motions to table, uh, motions to challenge a quorum of the meeting. Those sorts mm-hmm. of things we are accustomed to in terms of running most, uh, most meetings. And I discuss them, all of them essentially, and provide a chart on page 12 of the pamphlet that states whether general motions may interrupt a speaker require a second, uh, are debatable or not, are amendable or not, and what the vote is required for passage of such a motion. Now, once again, this is uh, a guideline. It is not a rule. Mm -hmm. And I address things that we are generally accustomed to, such as points of privilege, points of procedure, uh, motions to appeal, uh, motion to postpone consideration, to amend, to limit, extend, or close debates, and that sort of thing. And these are things that are all, you know, set out in brief conversational form uh, that uh, the chairperson, in reviewing the rules, and hopefully will be able to read them and know them enough to work with them within 20 or 30 minutes.
1: Mm -hmm. Great, yeah. And this is the fifth edition of the book now. Could you share some of the new information that you included? You discussed the the one rule, but uh, could you talk about what what's new in this edition?
0: Actually, what I did, uh, and this was in the fourth edition, uh, which mm. was about four years ago. I mean, all of the rules and guidelines were set forth as as rules, uh, and they were condensed and made uh, made readable. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. Rather than have, I mean, all of the subordinate guidelines stated as rules. Let's describe them and make them consistent with what they actually are. And that is, pursuant to rule one, they are guidelines for the chair. They are not mm-hmm. absolute rules.
1: So do you find that there is an increasing need for these more concise procedures, you know, using time more effectively? Do you think that's, that's changing with the times or, or why do you think that is?
0: Well, I, I think it's, it's essential that that organizations move with respect to a set of rules like the modern rules, because any organization that utilizes Robert's rules is utilizing a handicap, because mm-hmm. you know, as I indicated, so frequent is a circumstance where the chairperson of uh, of a meeting doesn't know robert's rules, hasn't taken the time to read through them, and it would take oh, hours and hours to get through in a meaningful way Robert's Rules of Order. Here, the chairperson should be able to read the modern rules and within 20 or 30 minutes know how to use them and feel confident. And I think it's it's something that has a very high utility quotient.
1: Yeah, definitely. Before we move on, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors.
0: Hey, law firms. Getting paid is fantastic, but dealing with accounts receivable is such a pain. What if there was a better way? Enter HeadNote, an industry-leading compliant e-payments and AR automation system. Their unique blend of features cuts through the noise and helps you to get paid 70% faster. Skip the paper checks, spreadsheets, and awkward calls to overdue clients. Get paid faster with less effort. Visit headnote.com for more information.
1: Welcome back to the Modern Law Library. We're speaking with Don Tortores, author of The Modern Rules of Order. Um, so to get back into it, to kind of go through the introduction of the book, you state that state laws and corporate bylaws are generally silent uh, regarding the procedural conduct of meetings, and there's really no detailed uh, rules for business meetings that are commonly accepted. Why do you think that is?
0: I really can't say that I know why that is. My,
1: mm-hmm.
0: my speculation is that uh, state legislatures have been mm-hmm. – reluctant to put any stamp of approval on any particular set of rules of order. And so the cases that have arisen with respect to what law applies to conduct of meetings have generally been resolved in how the officers who are running the meetings, how they have conducted them in a generic democratic fashion. There is no case that I know of and I think no case at all, which says, well, because you, know, you required a, uh, a second to a motion to adjourn, that is not acceptable uh, because the law is, is silent as to whether, whether motions require a second or not. Although Robert's rule says very definitely that a motion to adjourn does not require a second. And I've wondered, why mm-hmm. is that so? And I really can't tell you, <laughs> because mm-hmm. uh, the motion is made, it is not seconded, and it goes to a vote of the meeting. And it seems to me that that any motion that doesn't have a second is something that isn't worth considering and should be passed on, because if you don't have a second, you're not going you're not going to have more than one vote for that uh, for that particular uh, uh, motion. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, after I wrote the the, the modern rules, uh, they were not adopted by the legislature in the. Uh, the new business corporation law, or business associations law, actually,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because they didn't want to sanction a specific book. The committee, however, that, that rewrote the business associations law said that they recommended the usage of the modern rules of war. And let me say, uh, also at this point, I think it's appropriate to say that what I get out of this book in terms of royalties and you can probably confirm this, is uh, uh, royalties that uh, over the course of a year will probably buy uh, a good dinner on Saturday night, and that's about the the, the scope of it. So I don't Mm -hmm. have a whole lot of financial uh, money in the game. I just think the rules are good on their own, and I recommend them as such.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So do you find that a lot of businesses and corporations are, are transitioning to using these modern rules of order, from your experience?
0: Uh, yes. The last time I did a count, a little over 200,000 copies have been sold by the Pennsylvania wow. Bar Association and the American Bar Association. And that's since I wrote them originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, well, I know, let's see, that, that a number of universities have gone to them, uh, a number of Fortune 500 corporations have gone to them, Uh, and just scores of smaller corporations and associations and clubs have gone to them. And there's no reason why anyone, any club, any organization shouldn't be able to use them because what it does is provide for an efficient conduct of meetings, an equitable conduct of meetings, and it gives uh, the, the, the chair... An ability to, to I mean, essentially mold and conduct meetings in the way he or she thinks is most efficient, and I mean, all chairs, I mean, wants to get to the, the business at hand, want to resolve it, want to resolve it in a way that everybody accepts it and wants to move on.
1: Yeah, definitely. And as you've stated, you know, these rules provide a more modern procedure. Do you think that these rules will just continue to change with the demands of of business meetings?
0: There isn't a whole lot of change that can that can occur because I mean i this has been distilled into the simplest and most straightforward methodology that that I have been able to fashion and then adjust over the years mm-hmm. and I think they're they're just about in in their final shape because what they, what they do in actuality is reflect the methodology for conducting a business the way effective chairs have done it all along. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, that I point out is that very often uh, a chair will, instead of taking a vote, will say it is the sense of the meeting that the motion is carried. And mm-hmm. if anyone objects to that, they can call for a vote. And if there is a call for a vote, then the chair probably should take a vote on it. But otherwise, I mean, usually everybody's talked it out and they've come to a final answer and the chair can say the sense of the meeting is that umpty dumpty Uh mm-hmm. If there is any kind of controversy, however, a vote should be taken and recorded. And that's the way effective chairs have always done their meetings.
1: So since the chair has, you know, most of the authority in the meeting... Do you have any uh, advice for them, for chairs, on how to be more effective and you know use their time wisely in these meetings?
0: Yes, and uh, an effective meeting is is run in what manner? In a manner that is efficient and fair, gets to the business, takes care of the business, and then concludes uh, as soon as it can, effectively can. Uh, there's there are very few things in the corporate and association world uh, that are that are more Bothersome and troublesome than long meetings just go on forever,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: effective chairs uh, will be able to use the modern rules to have discussion on a uh, on perhaps a a divided issue where the the answer isn't uh, manifest, and we'll have discussion that will be fully vetted, uh, and then call for a vote a resolution when all of the sides of the proposition have been considered, we'll call for a vote, and then we'll resolve the issue and move on to the next.
1: So the book is obviously a very accessible, compact handbook, and I think that readers would find a lot of value in in reading your tips throughout it. What do you hope uh, that readers take away from your book?
0: Confidence. My objective, uh, my purpose, was to write a set of rules that chairs could could read, learn in a short period of time and utilize in going forward to conduct meetings in an efficient and equitable fashion. I also have, toward the end of the rules, uh, formats for minutes, because I, I have found and have experienced when uh, a secretary of a corporation or a uh, a club is, is elected, they will ask, oh, my... How do, you know, what, what are minutes like? Well, I set forth formats, uh, for minutes that generally will show what the minutes should contain. And then I give actual specimens of minutes for board meetings and for annual meetings so that mm-hmm. they've got something to look at and know what their minutes should look
1: like. Yeah. And the book also includes a uh, typical meeting agendas, which are really helpful too, just how to stay on track with, with the meeting and, um, both are great resources toward the end of the book.
0: I also point out in the rules that if a chairperson uh, you know, has, has stage fright, for example, and, mm-hmm. and a significant corporation or, or association that, that might very well be, uh, there are provisions whereby uh, the chair can appoint an acting uh, officer to either chair the meeting or keep the minutes or do anything in place of the officially elected person. So long as the action of the acting individual is subject to ultimate control of the elected person.
1: Great. Thank you. So where can our listeners reach you if they're interested in learning more about your work?
0: If there are any questions about any of the issues, uh, I can be Mm -hmm. reached probably most uh, easily by email. And my email address is d-o-n-t-o-r-t at aol.com. And I would be uh, happy to... Uh, entertain any, any question and uh, uh, provide a timely response.
1: All right. Well, great. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Don.
0: Well, you're very welcome. It has been a pleasure.
1: You can purchase The Modern Rules of Order at the ABA Web Store. Go to AmericanBar.org forward slash products. That's AmericanBar.org forward slash products. If you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Law Library, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.